God, that just felt like a little taste of heaven right there. It's the glory of you, praising you, and the peace that pervades our souls when we are settled in to worshiping you, not fighting you, not resisting you, not questioning you, just just giving back the love to you that you've given to us. It's like we were meant to do this, God. Made to do this. And I want to challenge us as a church right now um, just to take a moment, just you and God. Again, no one else needs to hear it. Just tell God what you love about Him. You know, for some of us, it comes naturally just to tell God what we love about Him. For some of us, we got to stop and kind of get in that mode for a second. But it's so important for our souls that we exercise just remembering God's goodness and what it is that we truly love about Him. So just take a moment where you are. Just tell God, just you and Him. Just tell Him what you love about Him. God, in this moment, we engage not just our minds, not just our mouths, but our hearts to remember your goodness. That we pause in the midst of our lives and our weeks just to be present to you. And as we receive your love for us, we give it right back. And the God I love, that when we had no way of saving ourselves, you left the glory of heaven in order to come to our dirty, messed up world, take on human flesh, experience pain, rejection, and eventually the cross in order to save us. I love that you're not only a God who's almighty, but you're a God who's gracious. You're not only a God who's just, but you are merciful. And that you always see, and that you're always working in providential wisdom that is always for your glory and moving us to experience complete and utter joy as we live for you. So Lord, lift up our heads this morning. Thank you that you're encouraging your church through your word, through the prayers, through the songs. And God, build us up that we might be strong and stand firm in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Man, you guys may have a seat. Oh, it's good to see you guys this morning. Welcome, everybody. It is such a joy and privilege to be able to open up God's Word with you. Uh, we just, we're continuing in worship just by hearing His Word now. Um, and we're, trust me, and then we're going to take communion in a bit and continue to sing um, as a way of consistently reminding ourselves of who our God is. Thank you, JJ. All right, um, but at, before we dive in here, um, the older I get, the more I've grown to love hiking. Hiking. As a kid, I hated it. Why would you want to go walk so long in the woods, right? But it, the older I get, and I have kids, the more I want the quiet <laughs> of the woods, right? And, and the serenity and the peace, the fresh air, the move them, get my body moving. All, I, I just love it. And one thing I love about New England is we have so many amazing places right in our backyard, to go, to go anywhere. And, and just a few years ago, I went to one of my favorite trails ever. 
Um, and uh, David Preciado, Trinity's own uh, outdoor hiking extraordinaire, um, led me up to a, a place up in New Hampshire called Lonesome Lake. Anybody know it? Of course Dave knows it. Anybody else know it? All right, so a few people do us. That's awesome. So it's right north of Lincoln, New Hampshire, into the White Mountains, and you hike up the steep ridge, and then there's this big old lake right up there. And the cool thing was that we went around the beginning of March, which meant that there was still a good amount of snow on the ground up there. Now, being a kid from Tennessee, I hiked a fair amount, but never in the snow. So this was my first time, and I was pretty excited about it. So one morning, early, we got up, and I put on my layers, because it's all about the layers here, I've come to learn. And I grabbed some boots that I just used for shoveling snow, and, and we start driving. And at about that time of the year, this was the time when Massachusetts had like little pockets of snow, but they're all gray <laughs> and, and dirty. And as we drove north, though, into New Hampshire, it was like that, it became white and the snow began to spread out, and it began to blanket the trees and the hills, and it was just beautiful. And by the time we got to the trailhead, it was just a blankety winter wonderland up there. And so I was, I was pretty excited. So I jump out of the car, and I'm ready to go. And Dave says, hold up, hold up. He says, put these on. Anybody seen these before? It's elastic bands with metal spikes on the bottom of them. And I was like, oh, yeah. And I took them. Inside, I was thinking, what in the world are those things, right? And Dave clearly saw through my, my, my facade there. He said, oh, he says, those, you clamp them onto the bottom of your shoe so that as we walk up the steep trail, ice, snow, all the rest, that, that your shoe can actually grip the ground and carry us up. Oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. Never seen these before in my life. Uh, but... Man, was I grateful for them. Because as we walked up that steep ridge, we walked by frozen waterfalls, like blanketed trees. And it was one of the most beautiful hikes that I've ever experienced. Absolutely gorgeous. But guess what? If I had not had on the right shoes, I would have been so busy picking myself up off the ground that I wouldn't be able to experience any of it. But because I had on the right shoes, I was able to focus on the trail in front of me and enjoy the path that was at in my way. You know, in our walk, our journey with Christ, the same is true. We got to have the right shoes. Got to have the right shoes. And that's what we're going to get into today. Because the, the last couple of weeks, we've been in this series called The Armor of God, which is looking at the spiritual equipment that Jesus has given every single one of us who belong to him and that is necessary in this world. And at the end of Paul's letter to the Ephesians, he lays out for us the reality that we have not a metaphorical but a literal enemy, God's enemy, often referred to as the devil or Satan, who is feverishly fixated on tripping us up. And as we discussed two weeks ago, his primary tool is deception, which he uses in a variety of cunning ways to darken our ability to God's truth, to, to bind us up in sin and to leave us hopeless and ineffective. But Paul says, before you run out there and you try to do the spiritual battle on your own, hold up, put these on, put these on. And he begins to lay out for us the, the full spiritual equipment that Christ has given us. 
his own spiritual equipment so that we can stand firm in his victory. So last week, uh, Pastor David unpacked uh, the metaphors, the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness. And this week, we're talking about shoes. We're talking about shoes. In order for us to stand firm and experience the life that Christ has for us, it's vital that we put on the right shoes. So, but first, we're talking about what are those shoes that we've been given in Christ? Two, what happens when we wear the wrong shoes? And three, how do we put on the right ones that will equip us for any terrain? And so we're back in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 20. I'm focusing on verse 15 today, but we're going to read the whole passage again to get context. You're going to follow with me in the blue Bibles in front of you. We're on page 950, or you can follow on the screen behind me. We're Ephesians chapter 6, starting at verse 10. You guys ready? All right. You guys ready now? All right. Ephesians 6, verse 10. Finally... Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly. Everybody say fearlessly. As I should. So Lord, I pray that your spirit would help our minds understand your word. But that you won't stop there. That you will go down to our hearts and give us a stronger love and a deeper trust in you. But don't stop there. But may it move to our hands and to our feet. That we might move and act in a way that is honoring to you. And this looks a lot more like Jesus. Thank you for your word and the power of your spirit that is at work even now. Making it clear to us. In Jesus' name, amen. So Ephesians 6, 15. Your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, the shoes of the gospel of peace. That's our focus for today. But my first question before we dive in is, why does Paul refer to the gospel of peace as shoes? Right? Like, like, yeah, in this grand metaphor of spiritual armor, the spiritual battle suit, why does he reserve the gospel of peace for our feet? What is it that we're supposed to see about this gospel? Remember, gospel means good news. What is it that we're meant to see in that? Well, if the gospel of peace is our shoes, then we're meant to go out with it. Every morning in my house, it's the same thing. Some of you may relate. 
right before we walk out the door getting my kids to school, one of the last things I always say is, get on your shoes because we're leaving. We're going out. We're getting the car. Right? Get on your shoes because putting on shoes means we're going out. We have somewhere to be. I don't put on shoes to stay in. Right? But there's something that compels us out. And Paul, what is it that compels us? He says, it's the gospel. It's the good news of peace. And this gospel of peace compels us because people around us are in deep need of it. But what is peace? Well, most people think of peace today as the absence of pain, anxiety, or strife. But the Bible has a far more robust understanding of peace. And it's rooted in this Hebrew word for it, shalom. See, shalom isn't just the absence of conflict. Shalom is, the, is wholeness or prosperity. It's not, shalom isn't the, the absence of strife, but it's the restoration of, of a people or a society to complete harmony. It's not just the absence of pain. It's the healing of the root cause of it. You guys tracking with me right now? Following me so far? So, so what is it that is the root cause of all of this. Well, the Bible from front to back in a variety of different ways explains to us that that our lack of peace across all levels, God, each other, and the world, stems from human sin. If you go back to the beginning of the Bible, when our good and holy God created this world, created humanity, the earth as we know it, there was only shalom. Complete harmony as God intended. But when did it all begin to decay? That first sin. That disobedience in the garden, the garden of Eden. And it only is our sin that continues to perpetuate this lack of peace ever since. Well, what is sin? We throw it around at church, but we often don't define it. I like to think of sin as any action that is out of harmony with our holy God. Sin is when we act as an enemy of God, not as one at peace with him. And the effect of it is that it darkens our eyes to see God's truth, and it chills our hearts to his love. But we learn from Genesis 3 that the effect of sin was not only disruption, a destruction of the peace between us and God vertically, but it also led to the breakdown of peace for us horizontally too among one another. That after that first sin, Adam and Eve turned on each other. And ever since, we've been turning on each other. Brother against brother, people against people, nation against nation. But it doesn't stop there. Because the effect of sin not only disrupts this with God and us with one another, but it even causes the earth itself to begin to decay. Because human beings were tasked to care for God's creation. And when we sinned, all that was beneath us began to become broken too. And all of that began from the root cause, which is our rebellion, our sin against God. So this means that if there is to be shalom again, someone must address our sin. And the good news of the gospel of peace is that when we couldn't save ourselves from the power of sin over us, the God of Shalom came and he did. 
that the God le- that God left the harmony of heaven, took on human flesh in order to come among us. And he, Jesus, lived a sinless life. And as the prince of shalom, he died on a cross to pay the penalty for our sin so that we might be forgiven and restored in a relationship with our God. Isn't that amazing? And that's exactly why Paul says earlier in Ephesians that he, Christ himself, is our what? Peace. And it is through faith in him alone that we are restored to a relationship with God. And then as we are united with Christ, guess what that means for us together? That we're united with one another, that we are able to have peace with each other. It doesn't matter where you come from, your background, your ethnicity, any of that. If you come to Christ, if you're one with Christ, we are one at peace with each other. And just as Jesus died, he also rose again. And when he rose again, he says, this is just the beginning of the resurrection that I'm bringing across all creation. And what we still await are the fulfillment of his promise when he returns to restore shalom across every nook and cranny of creation. That is coming. And that is the gospel of the good news of peace. And our world, I don't even have to tell us, it is in deep need of it. But before each of us walks into a world in deep need of peace, we can't forget our shoes. (laughs) And when Paul lays this out here, the shoes he has in mind are those worn by Roman soldiers called caliga. And these, these were like these half boots that equipped them to walk across any terrain and any battlefield without losing their step. They can't tell very well in that picture, but they were open-toed shoes. They were flexible, and they had these these short hobnails stuck to the bottom of the shoes, which gripped the ground and allowed them to walk wherever they are being led. And it's with these shoes that they were equipped to follow their commander's orders, go into any conflict or battle, and bring peace, Roman-style. Well, as followers of Christ, we've been given some steady boots that allow us to keep firm across all terrains and battlefields. And it is the enduring gospel of peace through Christ. And it's with these shoes that we are equipped to follow the way of our King and go toward the people and places in need of his peace and to bring it Jesus-style. Because we don't come bringing peace with the sword like Rome did. But we come speaking his truth. All in the sacrificial love of Jesus. Because that's exactly the way he did it. And you see, in a world where we know there's so many people around us who are separated from our God. How can we keep this news to ourselves? How can we possibly say that this is just my faith? It's private. When we realize the deep need that so many people have for it. And that's why the, Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah proclaimed how beautiful on the mountains or any risky terrain are the feet of those who bring good news who proclaim shalom. So now, take a moment and think. Who are the real people? Where are the real places 
in your day-to-day, ordinary, routine life who you know are in deep need of hearing, experiencing the peace of God through you? Where is that need? Because if you belong to Christ, that means that you are an ambassador of his peace here. But God does have an enemy who is intent on disrupting what God is doing through us. Satan is hell-bent on confusing, discouraging, sabotaging God's work of peace through us. And how does he work to do that? Well, he's crafty. He's cunning. And in place of the gospel of peace, God's enemy is working hard to sell us faulty shoes. One thing I know is God's enemy is not original or creative. In fact, most of the time, he just tries to counterfeit whatever it is that God has created. And he tries to get us to buy the phony knockoff instead of the real thing. And if God has given us his gospel of peace, then Satan devises his own gospels too and deceptively works to get us to try them on and wear them instead. Well, what are some of these phony gospels that he perpetuates? Well, first, Satan works to sell us the gospel of performance-based religion. This message says, good news, peace with God is possible. If you work hard to be a good enough person, if you go to church, help others, follow the rules, then you'll gain favor with God and people, peace, all will be well. But what's the trick here? It's all in that word, if, if. Does God expect us to pursue a holy life and love like him? Yes, of course he does. But performance-based religion says we can only know his peace if you do enough good things to earn it, to perform well enough for God. So I like to try to compare the performance-based gospel to a nice pair of dress shoes. You see, because with these, when you initially look at them, they look real nice, don't they? I should have buffed them a little bit more, but they, they look good. And you think about this gospel and what it means to be a good person. You think, oh man, like, I think I would look pretty good with those shoes on. And you know what? When the path is smooth and the sun is shining, whew, you're looking sharp. Right? You're thinking, man, all this favor that I'm experiencing in my life, it must be because I am good enough. But when the path of life gets steep and gets rocky, because it always does, all of a sudden, these shoes can't cut it. They, they don't hold up. Because when life starts to get hard, and we're going on uneven terrain, that's exactly when our sin, our selfishness, begins to expose itself. And our self-control isn't, isn't strong enough. The, these souls start to slip. When, when it starts to, when our foot slips, then all of a sudden our shoes start to get real dirty. And they get dirty, they start coming apart at the seams. Why? Because the performance-based gospel was never meant to hold up on the trails of life, was it? That instead of peace, eventually the performance-based thing 
only leaves us with either self-justifying pride because we're trying to clean ourselves up all the time or with the shame that will never be good enough. But listen, if God's enemy can't sell us on these shoes, maybe this isn't your style. He may try to sell us another gospel. And that is the gospel of self-serving religion. This faulty gospel says God exists to make you happy. And that he is a divine genie with, who's at your service with the power to take away your pain, your fear, your anxiety, your addiction, whatever it might be, your lack of peace. And he will give you peace. Now, does God want us to experience his joy? Yes, of course he does. But what's the trick here? He tried to get us to think that God orbits around our lives instead of us seeking to serve him. And so I like to compare this gospel to a nice, cozy pair of slippers. Because when you hear this message, like, ooh, that does feel warm. That feels real nice. And you slip your foot in there, you go, ooh, right? That's exactly what you want to hear and where you want to go. And when life is good, God is good. But when it starts to rain, or you have to walk through some muddy puddles, what happens to these? They start ripping apart at the seams, don't they? And we start questioning, where is God? Like, I, I've been promised that he's, he's always going to be, he's always going to give me a pain-free life. That, that, that he, he's supposed to serve me. Why isn't he here? Does he even care? Does he even love me? And we keep walking in these things, and eventually our feet are going to become blistered with bitterness, resentment, fear, anxiety. And if we insist on wearing them, eventually we're going to be so crippled that we're immobile. So our feet won't even work anymore. See, the, the gospels of self-serving religion or performance-based religion, these aren't good news at all. Because right when the terrain gets rough, we're going to lose our grip on the ground beneath us. And that not only impacts us individually, but that impacts our relationships as well. So when the Roman soldiers, when they were undergoing enemy fire, one thing that they would do as a, as a group was that they would gather together and place shoulder to shoulder, put their shields up as a way of, of so that no enemy fire can get through. But the strength of this formation depends on the grip on their feet. Because if any of them decide one day that they're going to wear slippers or dress shoes instead of the actual Roman boots, one muddy spot, boom, they're all opened up to enemy fire. And we see that happening in our relationships. Because if we are insisting on walking and standing on these false gospels, we see that that opens up our lives to an anxiety and a fear and a guilt or a pride that begins to impact our marriages, our families, our church relationships, our workplaces. We, begin, we can't hold up or keep steady, especially when it starts to get rough. So which gospel establishes your step? Which one is the foundation of your life? Does what you believe about God... And does what you believe about who you are in him, 
How does that hold up when life gets rough? Because only the shoes of Christ's gospel can secure our feet so that we can be couriers of his peace. And if these false gospels are like dress shoes and slippers, then the true gospel of peace, in my mind, is like a really sturdy pair of hiking boots. Hiking boots. See, the performance-based thing says, man, you got to look good enough. you got to be good enough in order to have peace with God. But the true gospel says that Christ is good enough, and he has already done enough to secure our peace. And the thing is about hiking boots, when we misstep on the trail, hiking boots are flexible enough to support us and strong enough to keep our foot upright so that we can keep going. And this message is brought to you by REI. <laughs> but but when, we, when we misstep, sorry, we'll let you gather ourselves here. And the same is true of the gospel of peace. When we misstep and we mess up in life, because we all do, it is the grace of God that flexes with forgiveness. And his steadfast love, which continues to hold us up and propel us forward. And the self-serving gospel says it's all about you and your happiness. But the gospel of peace says it's all about the God who never fails. Because when it does start to rain, man, a good pair of boots, they, they have the tread that can grip the ground across all types of terrain. And when the deluge comes in our lives... And our family, there's tension in our family. Our finances just aren't working. We just lost our job. We got diagnosed with with, with some illness. Any of these, that feeling of happiness is not going to be there. For some of us, it's going to feel like it's more nostalgia than current reality. But if we got the gospel of peace on our feet, we go back to the God who conquered the grave. And we go back to the God who, who's promised us just as he conquered the grave. He is returning again to make all things right again. That we are never without hope. And with a gospel of peace, we find that traction to take the next step. And then the next step. Because there's no other foundation that keeps us steady over all terrains. But how do we put on these shoes? Practically speaking, what does it look like? What could it look like in our day-to-day lives to put on the gospel of peace? Well, every time we enjoy the goodness of the good news, we're putting on our shoes. I didn't mean for that to rhyme, but isn't it cool how that worked out? See, recently, God has been showing me a lot about this. Maybe that's why it comes out in these sermons, because he's been showing me in many ways how to enjoy him again. Because you guys know how life gets. That you you come to Jesus, and you get fired up, and you get excited, or you start to get involved in church, and you, you start to see this faith grow in you, but eventually life gets busy. We become distracted. And whether we realize it or not, we start slipping back into self-serving living or performance-based religion. And that love, that fire that we once had becomes replaced with this, this a lot more guilt and fear. 
Well, during our time away this summer, God had showed me how I had allowed myself to slip back into a lot of that. But what he showed me was not condemnation over it. He said, Kirk, I want, I'm paraphrasing here. I want to show you how to enjoy me again. And so I realized that for me personally, music is a heart language between me and God. And so when I got back from vacation, I started incorporating more regularly time that I just sit and listen or sing or play music for no other reason than just to celebrate the goodness of God. It's not for anybody. It's just God and me. And it's amazing how that opens up my heart to all of a sudden feel joy again and actually enjoy God. Because you know what? When we begin to enjoy the goodness of God, that's the kind of news we just naturally want to share, isn't it? Now, music may not be your thing, but my question to you is, how do you enjoy God best and remember how good He is? If it's not music for you, maybe it is reading or studying Scripture or prayer with friends. Maybe it's going on a literal hike. Maybe it's something else. But how do you, how are you reminded of the goodness of God? When do you feel like worship and gratitude just flow much more naturally out of your heart to Him? And I think doing that is what putting on your shoes looks like. So is there a way before you even start your day and you leave your house that you can put on those shoes? That you can do that thing, you can remind yourself of the goodness of God. Because then once you go out of your house, you're sharing out of the joy that's overflowing, not out of obligation. Because once we have our shoes on, who needs the peace of God around you? And where is God leading you to bring his words or just his presence of peace? Who needs to know God's love and his good news? Or perhaps who needs to experience his love through you so that they can learn to trust you so that when you do share the good news, their ears are open? Because we are ambassadors of peace, y'all ambassadors of peace and God leads us out with his gospel of peace but first we need to put on our shoes in just a moment we're going to celebrate communion together this is a corporate way that we put on our shoes because in just a few minutes we're all walking out of here And we're going out into a world in need of his peace. But communion is where we come together to remember just how good it is we're putting on our shoes. But before we take it, I'm going to give all of us just a moment of silence to where you can have a moment with God. Maybe this time for you is just you thanking God for who he is. Maybe this time for you is recognition that Man, God, I have been living with a faulty pair of shoes on. And I'm, I confess that to you. I take them off, and I want to put on yours. Or maybe something else stood out to you during this message. Talk to God about it. But use this moment of silence, just you and God, to prepare your heart to celebrate just how good this good news is. So let's take a moment of silence now. God, we are present to you your goodness, your love, your joy, your peace. May you break off the heaviness that is upon any of us. 
And if we're wearing the wrong set of shoes, God, we take those off. We confess and we put on your, your shoes that will never fail. Just take a moment of silence now. Thank you, Jesus.